0: Hello, Toby Heddock here. This is another Who's Round where I introduce it by saying what a beautiful sunny day it is. I do it on the next one as well. I'll get good at this at some point.
1: My interviewee today actually went to the great trouble of tracking me down, and it's a beautiful sunny day. And uh, I'm now, he's now, poor man, let me into his flat to be interrogated. So I'm going to ask him who he is
2: and why I'm talking to him about Doctor Who. Well, uh, my name is Robert Aldous. I uh, was in Dalek Invasion of Earth, but only just because the episode in which I appeared had already been recorded and didn't quite make sense so I was asked to uh, put a little insert into the programme so that it would make it wonderfully clear uh, to the world at large. This um, man I'd worked with as an actor uh, in almost my very first job, Richard Martin, uh, uh, he was playing Orlando in As You Like It on a theatreless tour of the northeast of England and uh, became a, a television director, much to my surprise. And um, this particular episode of Doctor Who he asked me to be in had been already been filmed, but there was they felt it didn't quite make sense. Uh, so Richard Martin very kindly suggested that I should come along and, and plug the gap. And I I think I was called an insurgent. I only had one line, <laughs> but I was I was uh, summoned to Lime Grove Studios, and. Uh, Put into a dressing room, given a costume, given a makeup, and it was like an actor's bad dream because I didn't know, I didn't know what I was, <laughs> or what character I was. They would built a set especially for me, a grassy bank to roll to roll down. Although you don't see me roll down, but I'd come down a grassy bank and just to. Plug this little gap that didn't make sense.
1: Yeah, and it's because, um, and this is why you're because you weren't an extra, you are a proper part, but you're not oh, credited yeah. because you're credited in the Radio Times, but they'd already prepared the roller capsule. Oh, yeah,
2: exactly. It was already, it, you it was in, was the already in the And you weren't in the episode when they had. It was already in the can.
1: And the scene that you're in isn't in the camera script either. So no, yes, you're no, very be. much. It won't be. Yeah, no, so that's a
2: unique. It's a unique that's, entry into the. No, canon. that's why I thought you might be interested in the story. Yeah. Uh, because. Uh, 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 and uh, so I went along and then eventually they came in with a script and the line that I had to say but before that I was sitting in a dressing room not knowing who I was Then I was, they made me up, I looked quite rough and <laughs> it was like an actor's bad dream because actors, I don't know if you do but they, they dream, they, you know, they don't know their go lines go on and you so don't know what you're going to, to say Absolutely. No. and it was exactly like that and th- when I was being made up, for example, I was in the—they were doing Doctor Finlay's case book, and I was in the sitting next to Barbara Mullen, mm. uh, uh, who was—I uh, was totally in awe of. <laughs> then I was this young actor sitting next to this uh, established uh, star of uh, Doctor Finlay's case book. I was quite thrilled. but I didn't know what I was doing there. <laughs> Uh, And eventually, you see, they came in with this one line, and I got into the studio and had to uh, run down or roll down this mossy bank and say this one line, which... uh, And
1: it's to sort of bridge the gap between the action in the studio and the action on film. I suppose. That would have have just jarred without knowing why Jacqueline Hill was running Uh, and following the chat.
2: Well, I I, I don't know why they put me in and uh, why it didn't make sense. I just went and did it as a... You know, and
1: saved the episode. <laughs> yeah, and saved the episode.
2: Yes. So, what do you remember of
1: Richard then? Because you'd acted together, hadn't you?
2: Well, he was—he was rather good. He was Orlando. Uh, uh, it was a Nottingham Playhouse production uh, of As You Like It, and we toured the East He was Orlando, a very good red-headed actor, uh, and uh, the girl he played opposite, Jennifer Wilson, was very good. But it was my first job out of Rada. Uh, there were four of us uh, out of Rada: Gary Raymond. Oh yes. Roy Kinnear uh, and a girl called Ruth Myers. Uh, When I was at RADA, there were four times as many girls as there were boys. None of the girls made it and all the boys did. (laughs) But uh, Gary got his first job, Roy Kinnear got his first job and uh, other colleagues at RADA. I mean, it was a golden (laughs) period because we had Albert Finney, Peter O'Toole Richard Briers, Alan Fates, they, we, were, we were all there together. Well, they, they
1: all did okay, yeah. They all did okay, <laughs> yes.
2: And then I say, then it was me. But I've, I've managed to keep going for 57 years now, so I can't really complain, because I've had a good career. Not in the bracket uh, that they achieved. But uh, uh, nevertheless, we were all there together.
1: Oh, I think, I think any actor that stays an actor has won... Uh,
2: Yes. You know, yes.
1: Because it's, I mean, I think so, the temptation to drop out at any time is huge. Yeah, oh,
2: I know. Well, I, I, unlike yourself, I I didn't get married and have kids. Uh, I just, uh, uh, because it enabled me to go everywhere, it enabled me to go where the work was. So, in consequence, I, I wasn't very often out of work. I mean, but then, of course, it's a different situation. We had repertory theatres and you joined them and you stayed. And you learnt your craft. I mean, it's horrible for young actors today having to do fringe theatre in mm. order to survive. And they're not surviving because they're, they're not really being paid because it's all profit share. They've got to stay in the pub for a drink after the show. I think it's absolutely awful. We, I mean, I was only paid, as I say, at Nottingham Playhouse £5 a week for doing this tour three guineas of which <laughs> went on your board and keep and the rest was you know, what you lived on <laughs> but it was uh, but it's a, it was a wonderful time and, uh, we, you, know, and you, you put your wigs and beards and all the makeup tricks that you learnt at drama school <laughs> and, uh, and uh, I, I, I worked in some uh, wonderful regional theatres living that life and uh, when my repertory days were over i sorted uh, i got involved in uh, uh, in uh, playing the demon king in for 30 years in big commercial pantomimes which uh, meant that i worked with big commercial firms and they also engaged me to do things like that it's a firm called triumph productions so i went on major tours of uh, of uh, the, the provincial cities doing really good plays with starry casts.
1: And that's not to be underestimated, the, the 30 years in Panto, I mean, you've got to be no slouch <laughs> to do that. So well,
2: I, I, because I'm short, I started off as the wicked yellow dwarf in goody two shoes. Uh, and uh, uh, in those days, All the casts of pantomime were always variety people. Nowadays, they're cast entirely by actors, because the variety world is gone. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, but but a baddie has to be acted, and uh, certainly a wicked yellow dwarf has to be acted. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so uh, I I thought, well, how am I going to cope with this? (laughs) I was with Vince Hill, who was a pop singer, and Helen Shapiro in goody two shoes and I thought well what am I going to do so I went off to uh, Max Factor in Bond Street who had a makeup studio you could go to four, four actors and they made up half your face uh, uh, to your requirements they didn't do the whole face just half a face and you learned how to do it you see and I uh, they, they, they produced a wonderful effect for me uh, an evil look uh, which I used then for 30 years and I used, uh, and they and they gave me a cast of Olivier's nose, uh, or uh, uh, from Richard uh, III, and they did me a false chin, <laughs> and I had pointed ears. You see, I lo- I looked a real. You sound hard. like the
1: child catcher. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: and uh, and at that time I was doing a, 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 a Dad's Army, and uh, in the cast of Dad's Army were thirty very, very old variety of people and I happened to mention to them at the, you know, over lunch one day I was going to play the Wicked Yellow Dwarf and one of the old uh, uh, comic people told me about a, a famous Wicked Yellow Dwarf who worked the Moss Empire circuits so for years and years and years playing the same part and how he used to put half a red sequin on the lid of his eye, just half, and a, a red line a vivid red line underneath uh, and as the light caught your eye, you would flash fools of red fire, frighten the life out of the kids. Brilliant, yeah.
1: Oh, it's all, all those old tricks. You yes, pick up.
2: and uh, it's what uh, Anthony Quayle would say was a touching of hands, you know, through the ages, because it was an old, old trick, and uh, you know, I and I and I. I used it all the way through my baddie career, and it worked tremendously because you come on, and uh, you you could never see it when you made yourself off in the mirror. You, it was only the audience that saw it as you as the light it, You see, fantastic. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> I, so I put somebody to. Oh yes, he also told me that this uh, chap put uh, uh, ping pong balls all the way down his tights to make his legs look carbuncle. So I did. That. <laughs> and then I had a hump, of course. <laughs> So, and that going to and spending £10 at Max Factor on this makeup uh, um, kept me in work for 30 years in Pantamon, because I moved on to your Duke of Darkness, Sheriff of Nottingham, and all those sort of, Abenaza, and all those sort of people. So, uh, uh, and I, and as I say, there were always a variety of people I worked with, you know, like Arthur Askey, which was a great thrill. And Terry Scott and uh, all sorts of people like that. Nat Jackley, going back even further.
1: Terry Scott had quite a fearsome reputation.
2: He did. Uh, he he uh, he was very impatient. There was one uh, chap, Ed Stewart, who was famous for crap Stupot, yes. stewpot yeah. Uh, we were at Richmond, and uh, and and Terry couldn't stand his work and was in the wings every time he get, came off giving him notes. And the poor man was having a hell of time, doing two shows a day, rehearsing uh, Cracker Jack uh, every day and recording it on Saturday or Sunday or whatever. And he'd go, he'd go to uh, his room dressing room and drown himself in vodka, I think, because of Terry having a go at him all the time. But uh, I, I, I got on all right with him... Um, It was before the days of radio mics, of course, uh, and you had to project a hell of a lot more than people would even consider now. And in doing that, I I used to spit a lot, you see. And I I, I was saying something to him in my evil way, uh, and he said, spray that again.
1: (laughs) Oh, brilliant.
2: But, but, uh, But... uh, the comics in pantomimes would, were, if you were a straight actor, and, and I'd be the only one in those days, they'd, they'd take the Mickey out of you the entire time. <laughs> and
1: so you must, I mean, most of your career must have been spent trying not to crack up then. I mean, that's the well, art can't. of a straight man, isn't you can't. it?
2: can't. You can't, uh, otherwise you lose the kids. Mm. I mean, the whole thing about being baddie, you've got to be sincere. You've got to believe what you're doing, otherwise the kids won't believe you. Now, I see a lot of actors playing baddies now, and they want to be funny. Well, they lose the kids. And uh, you know, and I was always evil beyond belief. I, but, uh, I, you know, and it was so fluky getting this job, just being short. And going to be a wicked jello dwarf, and uh, kept me in work for thirty years. Well, that's
1: great. And and in, in between that, you know, you were popping up on television. I mean, did you find did you did you find breaking into television hard? Uh,
2: I did. Uh, well, I, I I've always really been a theatre actor. I, I I get more satisfaction out of it because you develop what you do and get more competent and improve. Uh, 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 t- uh, television acting is. To me, almost instantaneous, and I, I'm not quick-witted enough to, to do it. Really, I, I, you know, I, I found it difficult television acting, and I, you know, I've done it and uh, done, you know, but I, I, don't, I don't feel at home. I, I, I never, uh, I, as I do in the theatre.
1: And and when we we should go back to Dad's Army as well, because we can't let that disappear.
2: <laughs> mean, that's that's, that's, a, that's a
1: thing of legend. Yeah. I mean, and. Uh, I mean, at the time, it was a big deal as well, wasn't it? Oh, it
2: was. It was. It was quite extraordinary. I, I was playing a, a, a German pilot uh, in a, a programme called Christmas Night with the Stars. Uh, every Christmas on Christmas night, there'd be uh, specially written sketches from all the top comedy series of the day. And, uh, and uh, they were playing charades, uh, and uh, so showing how Britain and the, the, in, during the Shiraz they were showing how Britain had avoided being conquered through the agents. So, uh, what's his name was... Uh, um, what's, what's the style of his uh, name? Arthur, Arthur Lowe. Lowe. Arthur Lowe was uh, John Bull, and uh, and, uh, and then somebody else had been Napoleon, and then somebody else was uh, Philip of Spain, and they, they all came on as different characters. And uh, there was a little refrain, uh, showing how they were defeated, saying they don't like it up and so, you see. So, But they, and then as air raid siren goes, and I come on as a real German. <laughs> and uh, uh, and, <laughs> so, and, then, and uh, Clive Dunn has a big pitchfork, because he's a country yokel, showing the spirit of England, you see. So he sticks it up my bum, whereupon I jump into the air, and he says, they don't like it up and so, <laughs> don't like it up. Mm. Well, uh, and then... Uh, <laughs> Um, when we were recording that uh, they were also recording at the same time one of their regular episodes because this was Christmas you see and um, believe it or not uh, in view of uh, Doctor Who uh, the end of that episode wasn't making sense so they came up to me Jimmy Perry and David Croft and said now um, uh, will you come on at the end of this episode we don't like the way it's finishing as the German soldier and say this one line, but don't tell the rest of the cast <laughs> So I said, I'm paced up and down, trying to remember this line. you see, and i I came on at the final technical rehearsal, and as the German uh, and said this one line, they all turned round and looked at me as if I was start raving bonkers <laughs> uh, well. That was fine, but when we actually did the recording, they acted looking at me as if I was start raving bonkers, so it wasn't quite so effective. So it's another one where I (laughs) came to the rescue. Well,
1: because I'd wondered why you weren't credited in that either. and it's exactly the same circumstance. Yes, because that is the
2: one that is shown regularly, you Mm. see, because it was a regular episode. Yeah. But Christmas Night with the Stars has only been shown twice, you see. Right. Yeah.
1: So you made a habit of being a sort of super substitute. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. And um, when you were working in uh, uh, the, the theatre, aside from the pantomime stuff, who were some of the, the actors that you worked with that you'd say you learnt from them?
2: Well, I, you, you, uh, you learn from everybody, don't you? I mean, uh, we all have our own styles and styles of acting, so you don't go around with your eyes closed, obviously. Uh, but um, a few years ago now, I worked at the National with Ian McKellen, London, and I thought he was quite remarkable because he was doing An Enemy of the People and Ibsen play and the colouring he brought to it uh, every night was quite remarkable. Uh, he, he, I mean I wasn't playing very much in it but I was on quite a lot but so you saw what he was doing all the time. Uh, Anthony Quayle's another one like that you see the detail minute detail that uh, Michael Bryant another. Ah, oh, yes.
1: marvellous actor. Yes what did you
2: work with him on? Uh, the first tour of Look Back in Anger I, uh, I spent my spear carrying was at the Royal Court Theatre at that time so I went from Nottingham Playhouse to the Royal Court in London uh, uh, did six plays Look Back in Anger Nekrasov with uh, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre uh, ooh, um, uh, Lysistrata uh, Sergeant musgrave's dance I forget what the other one was oh um, John Osborne um, uh, Osborne. another John Osborne play but um, uh, uh, oh yes, well, what I was doing was under studying they sent out a tour of uh, of, of look back and Anchor. Why, when uh, look back Nagar actually became a success because it wasn 't originally because they had to do the country wife to make a bit of money before they put it back on again. When it actually received its the notices that set it on the road, and we went out. Uh, they built a complete new set, and I went out with Alan Dobie and Michael Bryant, uh, and I was understudying uh, uh, Michael Bryant and uh, and A.S. again. You see, because it's the start of one's career, mm-hmm. and uh, so I learned an awful lot from him.
1: And what was his sort of method? Was he was I mean, was he very sort of text focused?
2: Was he more instinctive? Well, he never made. He, he, well, he was instinctive, but he, he worked in great detail. But he 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 he, he wasn't intense. Uh, you know, he he had a sense of perspective when he was working. Obviously, an immense concentration, all that detail. But in real life, uh, you know, one of the boys, and uh, you know, he didn't go around uh, uh, doing the method uh, in real life or anything like that. Yeah. So
1: so, what, what, where had you got the bug? What had made you decide to, to act?
2: Well, I think uh, I mentioned it to you while we were making the cup of tea. Uh, I had infantile eczema as a child in bandages for the first 12 years of my life, so I didn't have a normal uh, childhood because my mother was changing bandages three times a day. She was for my two sisters. It was on both sides of the family and we all got it with a huge wallop. Uh, in consequence, I never... You know, did the things a normal boy would do, uh, you know, learning to throw a ball, catch a ball, all those sort of things. It was a huge disadvantage because you know, uh, there's awful as you're a kid. Peer pressure is enormous, isn't it? You've got to toe the line, and uh, and that was difficult. And uh, I, I, I was a chorister in a local choir, and uh, I so I fancied um, going into the church. You see, I thought that would suit me. And uh, used to range up the family as uh, congregation and <laughs> preach to them. <laughs> and then the sister at the skin hospital in Nottingham took a liking to me, and took me to the Theatre Royal to see the Mikado. Overnight, go- going into the church was out of the window. I I could see uh, what form of self-expression I could uh, have, and. Uh, so I started taking acting and elocution lessons uh, then the uh, the family uh, and I, very difficult Nottingham had to have say bath and basket after bath and basket I can tell you, but then we moved to London and I, I looked in the local paper for somebody uh, who might uh, help and I found the great great granddaughters of Sarah Siddons and uh, they lived in Ealing and had a down the road from where they lived they had a garage which they converted into a theatre which was called the Bankside Little Theatre and Coterie they called it and they presented scenes from Shakespeare and uh, I was the only one of their students who was uh, allowed to act with them so I came on and played all sorts of small pouts and they were terrific actors, uh, uh, actresses uh, sorry I won't use the word actors perhaps But uh, they were terrific. Their Merry wives of Windsor was I've never seen better done, and one of them had the real Kemble look. They, you know, it's got the nose. You know, and uh, they were they were they were marvellous, and uh, and so I did a lot of acting with them. Apart from doing local music festivals and the drama section and the Poetry Society, I used to compete with. But um, and no, they and, and they, they, but they taught me how to speak Shakespeare. Uh, 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 long before I went to RADA and uh, uh, and they were marvellous uh, <laughs> later on uh, after I'd been to RADA I, I heard of one of them that died and I didn't know which so I <laughs> I wrote and said dear Miss Siddons I, I'm sorry to hear of the death of your sister and waited to see which one which replied <laughs> <laughs> but they they. They had they had a huge sense of humour and they made boats. So they turned down Alec Guinness. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How oh, about that? <laughs> well. So not not flawless.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. And um, well, in terms of we've talked your contributions, things if you, when you look back at all of the things that you did, what were the jobs that you either felt you'd done? really good work in or was it just the most enjoyable experiences? I don't know I
2: I, I I can never say what, what one's favourite part was or anything like that but I, I you know I I suppose I like I like to remember playing Willie Mossop in Hobson's Choice when I was 31 uh, which is the age uh, Willie Mossop was and then a bit later on in the theatre in the round on Stoke-on-Trent with uh Piece of Cheeseman, I played uh, uh, Hobson himself, and so I'm, I'm rather uh, proud of of uh, those two. So you've, done yes. Yes. you've done both. Yes, That's I've done nice both of them. Piece of yes. symmetry. Yes, uh, but I've kept going and played uh, lots of uh, lots of things, and uh, I've been, uh, you know, without reaching the top. I've, I've you know, I, I'm a middle range actor, and have kept going. And. Uh, uh, I can't, I cannot, you know, and I've enjoyed my career. And, uh, you know, I'm now, uh, well, I shall be 80 next year. I've had to uh, put a stop to it now because i uh, got arthritis and I, you don't remember as well. So I do a lot of, uh, I try and do a lot of vocal work now, I, but that doesn't, not used to come by these days. But, uh, uh, and here at Charterhouse, uh, they have a, because they uh, have a, a service every day in the, uh, Chapel, uh, uh, a spoken evening prayer. I I, I, I read the lesson uh, because you know one is trained to do it, and uh, so I get a lot of pleasure out of that. And uh, and once a year I, I go to a, a church in um, uh, where Oscar Wilde married Constance Lloyd and Reid because they're having a, a thing. They're trying to build a screen in their honour. Uh, I I read a lot an Oscar Wilde short story every year you see I do that so uh, keep the machine oil yeah yeah
1: and it's yeah, been a very I mean in terms of not only a long career but a very varied one as well you oh, seem to have done pre- covered pretty much well everything.
2: as I say because I, I've been unattached I've been free to go uh, where the where the work is but uh, I was also in the first ever colored television serial which I'm quite uh, uh, which is the first Churchill's with oh yes John Neville yes uh, uh, David Giles David that, Giles uh. yes nice man and uh, uh, so that was good and uh, oh I was because I, I think really I ought to put that in my bio when I do any work because it's quite you know it's quite something really because they 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 that team had done the foresight saga so they were the the Blue-Eyed Boys, mm. uh, so they spent an absolute bomb on this First Churchills, uh, and, um, uh, and I remember I, I, had to, <laughs> I had to put down Monmouth's Rebellion with John Neville, <laughs> I got a script which said, I was playing Colonel Kirk of the Queen's Regiment, and the script came and it said, Kirk rides in, Kirk rides out, I nearly died. <laughs> But in in fact we were just uh, side by side on uh, side by side on horseback, but the problem was we were rehearsing, doing night filming, in Oxfordshire, and planes kept flying all over, uh, you know, through the filming, and they cut out uh, We had to do it over and over again, and then it drizzled, and all our wigs. <laughs> so the, the night after the rain started, uh, if you were. Uh, if you were being, uh, if you were playing, you'd be all right. But the person you were playing against would have to have a polythene bag over their head. You see, now John never can go with that. He became hysteric. <laughs> <But, laughs> uh, he was a good actor, John. Neville. Oh, very, very good, very good. I mean, when I was at Rother, all the staff claimed that they discovered him, but because uh, he'd been there a few years before me, but uh, they all, they all claim that he, they have uh, discovered him. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> right, Yeah.
1: That, yeah. T- yeah I yeah. always knew he was going to go. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. I always
2: yeah, said he'd go yeah, far. Yeah, and uh, I also served um, a long spell on the Equity Council. I was the first ever non-star uh, member of the Equity Council. I was the first ever person to canvas support. I I wrote to all the reps in regional theatres and said the provincial theatre contract and the repertory theatre contract need looking at, Uh, uh, and uh, uh, would you vote for me? And they did. And I got elected, and it was a long time before I dare open my mouth. And then, uh, so eventually I plucked up courage and said the ref and the provincial theatre contracts need looking at, and they said, yes, we'll set up a a subcommittee, and you can be chairman. So, uh, and we did amazing things, but Jenny Lee was uh, the... uh, Arts Minister then, which was a great help, because we did away with um, buying your own costumes, supplying your own costume. We did away with uh, rehearsal money. <laughs> we got the same money throughout. These were big, big changes. Mm, yeah, and uh, and also we set up the basic stage management team, none of whom should act, because in my day. Everybody on stage management wanted to act in, in, in consequence and stage management was awful usually and so we said you've got to have a stage manager deputy stage manager and an ASM who don't act just do their job and it came at the right time because it started getting very technical after that you know with all the technical improvements so mm-hmm. Now I think they earn more than actors do, but still. But we established the basic stage management team. But you
1: don't want someone controlling the flies who's got half an eye to go on oh, no. the stage themselves.
2: No, but no, well, that's <laughs> what it was like. That's what it was like. And uh, so that was a huge improvement. And, uh, you know, it's difficult to persuade some of the councillors to do this because they thought it would close theatres.
1: And, um, well, because you've of given your time and you, you got in touch with me, which was brilliant. Well, it was through this...
2: Uh, this other person it was Joe yeah yes we we Uh, acknowledged uh, Joe Hannaday who wrote
1: to you and told you about my project yes you You got in touch with me via Spotlight Uh, uh,
2: yes Uh, my agent yes that's right that's what I did because I couldn't I, I, I was having difficulty finding you and that's what I did eventually.
1: Well, I was very dedicated. <laughs> of you. I'm very grateful. Normally I have to chase people. Isn't it? You're the first one that's actually oh, chased oh, well, me. So. Well, when, when
2: I get the bit between the teeth, you oh, know, I... Well, I'm, yeah. I'm very grateful. Yeah.
1: Um, so, and because you've, uh, you've volunteered and you've given your time and uh, uh, this is a free podcast, I ask you, Robert, to, to nominate a charity that the listeners can donate to. Well,
2: I am a great supporter of the uh, Actors Benevolent Fund. So if anybody's interested in doing that, because... Uh, that helps um, people in distress and their children who are in distress in hard times and all the rest of it, mainly through illness.
1: So um, I just ask you to say... uh, There's lots of Doctor Who fans listening to this podcast. What is your message to them, Robert? It can be as serious or as frivolous as you like.
2: Well, just that I'm... I mean, uh, my minimal, I must, have the, I, I must have been the smallest part player in, the, in the all of that 50 years. And I was pleased to do it, and it was fun, although frightening at the time, because, I, as I say, I was being put into a costume, made up, before they actually gave me the liners. So, at the time, it was an actor's nightmare, but uh, I'm pleased to have done it.
1: Well, I'm very pleased to have met you today, and, yeah. and, and grateful for your time. So, Robert Elders, thank you very much.
0: Thank you. My thanks to Robert uh, for his hospitality and to Joe Halliday for putting us in touch. Robert's charity is the Actors Benevolent Fund, www.actorsbenevolentfund.co.uk. Shortly after the interview, when going through my paperwork, I noticed that the actor Christopher Burgess, who appeared in Enemy of the World and was a regular for Barry Letts thereafter, he's in Terror of the Autons and a lovely turn in Planet of the Spiders, Um, was also at Charterhouse and I'd written to Mr Burgess to no avail so I mentioned this to Robert in an email and Robert went to see Mr Burgess who wasn't in the best of health and asked him if he would do a who's round and to Robert's surprise Mr Burgess uh, agreed Uh, I was away at the time so decided that on my return I would ring up and arrange to see uh, Mr Burgess he wasn't in the best of health as I say so couldn't have necessarily got an interview, but I think it would have been nice to have visited him and said that uh, there were people who still remembered and liked his work. But unfortunately, upon my return, Robert sent me an email to say that uh, Christopher had passed away. So I would like to dedicate this edition of Who's Round to the late Christopher Burgess, who uh, I never got to say that I enjoyed his work too. And that's a shame. Anyway, keep listening. Uh, The next Who's Round is with somebody else whose name has never appeared on the credits of an episode of Doctor Who. So who are they and why am I talking to them about it? Find out next time. Bye-bye.
2: Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. The Avengers, The Lost Episodes, Volume 3.
1: Hello? Is there a Dr David Keel there, please? Yes, who's speaking, please?
2: The name's Steed.
0: You killed him! I told you we should have taken him to hospital straight away! Shut up! What are you going to do now? Don't you see what that means? Will
2: you shut up and let me think? Ah, the tempt. It is beautiful i bet a fight that he's a copper. I can smell him a mile off. Whatever he is, it's our business, and we'll attend to it. You just do that, because if I wind up back inside, you're coming with me. Carol, have you seen this in the paper? Attempted assassination. I am honored, Mr. Hope. Oh, you gave me quite a start. Sanderson, sir. My card?
0: You wouldn't do that.
2: Tell me where I can find Carol Wilson. I don't know. You're trying my patience, Lola. You know, there is one particular rat she's more afraid of. Who's that?
0: Get in here! Who's Get down! They've got guns! I said get down!
2: Hello? I can hear you. Get away from me! Oh, you've shown up at last, have you? Good to see you, too. Putting on weight, aren't you?